I don't know, the, the image that comes to mind is like, you're doing drugs all the time and you're going to music festivals and like you're like an <laughs> artist. And it's not like a negative mm-hmm. thing, right? It's just like, there's just different yeah. ways of, of living. So like, I'm, I'm curious, do you touch your parents' feet? Do I touch my parents' feet? No, I do not. Do you touch your relatives' feet when you meet them? No, I don't touch my relatives' feet. Oh, is that not a thing actually for Gujaratis? That's a good question. I you touch I your grandparents' feet so. ever? No. Really? Yeah. Wait, I thought this was an Indian thing. I've never touched my, not never, but so my grandma's the only living grandparent I have. Okay. At this point, I I just give her hugs whenever I see her or whenever she sees me, like. There's really not even the put your hands together and bow type of thing. Like that doesn't even happen anymore. Like you used just... to do that. I, I mean, I would never do that to my to my family. I would like, but I think typically the greeting for, for oh, actually, you know, now they take it. I take it back. I take it back. I don't touch their feet, but when I haven't seen like a like an aunt or uncle for a long time, when I do see them, like let's say I go to India, the first time I meet them, I'm gonna kind of bow down, but I won't touch their feet. Like I'll just kind of like bow down and it's a one-time thing it's like oh, okay i've seen you like the next time i see you on this trip i'm not gonna do it it's just like a oh like i haven't seen you in a while let me pay my respects type of thing um it actually doesn't happen with my parents because i see them all the time so i don't know like that action is wired in my head as like a, oh you do this with people that you haven't seen in a long time that are older than you i think it's exactly kind of what you said it's like if you haven't uh Typically for my extended family, like when I see them, like for like gatherings and stuff, I'll touch their feet. Um, And then, yeah, especially true for like, I think, you know, you're going to India or something like, you know, you touch their feet when you see them, but like not every day. But like when I like started thinking about that, I realized like, shit, I touch the feet of my like extended relatives like every time I see them, which is like whatever, every every couple of weeks or whenever that happens. But I feel like I don't show my parents that same respect kind of like backward and so when I started thinking about that, it was just a small thing. I just started like touching my parents' feet like every day and like in the morning when I see them. And I read this quote about about tradition or rituals, like rituals are basically answers to questions that we've forgotten. And so they're basically things that we do that seem arbitrary. And I think, we you know, we ditch them because they're convenient not to. Like basically what you said, yeah, like I see my parents every day. Like, why am I going to bother touching their feet? But then it's like you realize it's like a small gesture that like shows like, okay, you know what? Like you're older than me. I respect you. You know, you're, you're important to me. So I've kind of been thinking about the role of like ritual and tradition a little more. And I'm, I'm trying to see like, oh, what are the other things that we've kind of scrapped um, that that we don't do anymore? But like had some meaning and had added some level of completeness or wholesomeness to to a situation where i feel like that's a bit lost in the western world like so yeah. for example things we, we, thanksgiving just happened right this is not an indian thing do you guys do anything for thanksgiving i mean usually just like a a potluck with family friends nice yeah we didn't even do that honestly like usually and i i realized like thanksgiving day just feels very empty then because you know everyone's at home everyone's celebrating and we're just like chilling and not, not really like doing anything so two years ago i just started being like okay guys like we're just gonna do like a thanksgiving feast just me and my family and like you know like set the table up nice like everyone like dresses up and now we're like two years in and now my parents are like okay like we're doing this right like thanksgiving is happening and i make all the food and everything it's all like 
American style food. Um, but like kind of like introducing those, like a little more of those like traditions and stuff. I feel like that's, that's kind of important. And, you know, I've been doing that with my, obviously my parents, but I, I feel like I, I, I want to be more intentional about doing that with my family going forward. Another example is Diwali. Do you guys do puja for Diwali? It's like a very small puja. I actually don't know what an official Diwali puja is like, but we, we do like a very small version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We do, I'd say like, I mean, a medium puja, like we're not Hindu. And so I guess Diwali isn't as serious for us. But like, you know, I realized like, I don't really like when I was alone on Diwali, like for example, in college, I wouldn't do anything. Uh, but then when I'm home for Diwali and like, I don't know if you're like, you, you kind of clean the whole house. Like it's not a, like we, we don't do it as extreme as people do in India. Like they literally clean every nook and cranny in India on Diwali. <laughs> um, but there's something that, uh, that, that adds to like the vibe of the house Then I'm like, okay, I want to keep, I want to keep doing this more. I've been trying to pay a little more attention and just, you know, like basically like, how do I carry these over? Yeah. No, that's a really good point because now that I think about it, I kind of feel like I, I mean, probably not just me, but a lot of people, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, like, this is a thing, like Diwali is a thing. And, you know, my parents will do something. And I think you probably over time may like just not realize that you've lost your connection to it. And that like, at some point, your parents aren't going to be the main drivers of it, right? Like you kind of have to be. And that's a really good point, because I feel like I don't really drive a lot of these Indian cultural activities or events. I tend to just kind of delegate to my parents to figure out what we should do and take part in it. But for Christmas, like me and my sister got a bunch of these lights and a Christmas tree and all this stuff. And it's like, Christmas isn't a huge like an actual event for us for us it usually ends up being like a family gathering thing so we want to have a good time but the holiday Christmas do I care that much about it like not really yeah you know so it's it's interesting I, I do feel like a lot of the Indian stuff I just kind of delegate and I'm just on the back burner because I'm like oh my parents will do something and I'll be there but I'm also like almost 30 <laughs> it's like you know like we're, we're old we're not kids anymore like we should be driving some of this ourselves so that's a really interesting point. I'm sure a lot of Indian Americans can relate to that. Um, I saw this interesting thing on like Instagram where you know how people usually put like a star on top of the Christmas tree. Someone made an ohm symbol and you could put that on top of your Christmas tree. And it's a way to kind of add a little more unique culture to maybe more common or, you know, traditional like American events. And I feel like there's probably like a good amount of potential for that because I don't think we're going to celebrate these things the exact same way our parents did. But I also think that we do want to keep it alive. Like I, I don't want my kids to just know Christmas and not have any idea what Diwali is. Right. But I may have to like do do some things that are a little more like modern or a little more similar to what their friends are doing so that they also feel like they're not left out or they're doing this completely different thing that nobody else understands. So that, like, I feel like maybe those types of things might be interesting. Um, like, cause I originally saw it and I was like, what is this? Like this, yeah. this doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> and I was like, but if you have a kid, maybe it does, you know, to kind of just like add that little touch in and, and maybe that it keeps like a connection alive. Yeah, I think I think that's that's so important. I think just being like an owner of our traditions, because yeah, I, I do notice that that's like that's disappearing a little bit. And 
I mean, you don't really notice, but you know, your parents are just getting older right in front of you. And I kind of saw this when I went to a cousin's wedding a couple of years ago in India. And um, there was some like weddings have just, you know, Indian weddings have just an insane number of traditions that like happen. Even now I'm like, I don't know anything, but I saw my parents scrambling and trying to figure out what needs to be done because a lot of the elders typically ran this like people you know in their parents generation and a lot of them had passed away and there was some knowledge gap and they were just trying to figure out like what to do and they had some questions and stuff and like there weren't like too many people around to answer it and it was a very visible reminder that unless you like take the information and you know make sure that you absorb it uh it's not going to pass on by itself. And it's just scary to like think that cultures be- will become extinct. And um, like some of these traditions will go away entirely. But yeah, as, I think you're right. They're going to they're gonna turn into like hybrid type situations where we're, we're going to do like Christmas and Thanksgiving with our kids and stuff. But probably like Diwali is going to play some role too. Or yeah, or like Paryushan. Like again, it's not going to be as, as strict as we, we do it now. Um, but but have to have to do something. Yeah. Thanksgiving, like for for me, I always try to, I would try to put an Indian twist on like the American popular items. One year I made like masala mac and cheese. And, you know, it's kind of like, how do you, how do I do that to where it feels like Thanksgiving, but it clearly isn't a traditional Thanksgiving, right? Like one, we're all vegetarian, so there's no <laughs> turkey. But two, like, honestly, like, a lot of that food, my parents will probably find a little bland. So like mm. spicing it up allows you to kind of have the best of both things. And I want to keep like some of those things alive along with the actual Indian holidays, right? Um, now that I really think about it, it's definitely been on like the back burner. Like I don't do as much for those things because I just rely on my parents too. But that's not a good precedence <laughs> to set yeah. just because like you don't know like one year when you wake up and you're like, I feel so disconnected. I haven't done anything for this for the past so many years. And it's like, you, you probably realize that that's not maybe the direction you want for the future. Yeah, I'm curious what the role of like religion is all also going to be like, because a lot of these things are cultural, like, you know, do all these, I'd, I'd say mostly cultural for us. And it's fun. Like, it's overall like nice vibes and stuff. But I'm curious also, like from the religious aspect, like going to the temple and stuff, how that'll evolve. Because I don't know, like growing up, I definitely went to the temple a decent amount with my parents, but I don't really go much anymore. And really, like, no one I know from our generation does, at least in our temple here in New York. I suspect that's kind of a a trend going forward. But then I I think it's basically what you said. That fabric is slowly being eroded. And then before you know it, you're like, shit, there's, like, where's our community at? Like, where are our people? And they've just all gone in their own directions. And we forgot the role of these institutions. Yeah, I see it being a pretty big issue. I actually talk to my dad about this all the time because he likes having these conversations about the leadership groups of these temples right now, like all these older, mostly men. You hear about all these cases of fighting over this or that. And I'm like, at the same time, I know that a lot of these temples and organizations have been talking about how like, oh, we need more youth involvement. But I don't see anybody actually taking a step back. Like if all these people are so highly invested in getting elected to the board and this and that, and they're not actually interested in listening to a young person who wants to get involved, young people will just not get involved. And when you actually need young people to take over, there's not going to be any. 
usually only go to the temple because my mom will be like, hey, you should go to the temple. You haven't gone in a while. So like, (laughs) let's let's say it's like once, maybe twice a month that I'll go. And all the times I've gone, I have not seen a single person my age there. And like Chicago is a pretty big area. Like there's a lot of Jane families in Chicago. Right. And it's like nobody my age will be there. And I again, it's like I'm not necessarily going there out of my own. It's not like I'm being forced to go there, but I don't think about going there. Oh, like when I go home, I'm not like, oh, I haven't gone to the temple in a couple weeks. Let me go. It's usually my mom will be like, oh, you should go. And I'll be like, okay, like I'll go. I actually like going when it's off peak. It's a very peaceful. It's almost like a meditation room when it's off peak. I don't know. There's something about the marble floors and the silence and like the aroma that that it's like really peaceful, but I, I hate going when it's packed. I just don't like it when there's so many people around. Um, so I'll go and, and I find it peaceful, but I seriously think that nobody our generation will get involved when these current leaders are going to you know retire, realize they don't want to do this anymore. And then like, what's going to happen? <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know. It's a, it's a really good question. And I think on top of it, you're so right in the sense that we're losing like an entire community not for the religious purposes, but I would love to be a part of a Jane community for anything cultural. So my kids, my family could have other families that are doing the same thing. So you don't feel like you're the only ones. That's how is that going to exist if there is no organization that people our age are actually associated with, you know? Yeah. And I think we were, we've talked about this in the past. It was like these, like these institutions need to adapt and evolve, right? Like a simple thing, like the Jane temples, they still serve paneer and they'll still serve dairy. And it's like, okay, like maybe, you know, maybe they should start being vegan. And that's that, you know, that's kind of like, I mean, that's a really small thing, but if you can get them to do that, that's like, oh, they're really kind of open to change and open to like their role adapting in society. Like I was reading something about like libraries and how like, again, the role of libraries is not just to provide books, it's to provide a community area for education, whatever that means. So the reason libraries have computer labs is because people can go there and learn. Like the role of a library has changed over time, but at the end of the day, it needs to be that that source of like, you know, people coming together. And and I think like a temple's kind of the same thing, right? Where where we, we need to figure out like what role that it, like we want to take in our lives um, and how, how to do it. So I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting. And I, I wonder also if like the temple will kind of live up to that or whether there'll be new institutions that will be created to kind of do that. Because I don't know, but it's also interesting. Will the new institutions be nonprofits? Will they be secular or will they be like these new, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like all these new products now are like just new religions, right? You see a lot of just hype around new habits. And at the end of the day, like a religion is just a set of habits. And you see a lot of these like movements that are centered around this is a way of living. Like I feel this whole like sober movement is gaining a lot of traction and there's a lot of stuff like that. So I think it'll be interesting to see how these evolve. And at the end of the day, like whether they continue to be like, like what role they, they, they play in our society. Yeah. Interestingly enough, like my uncle who lives in New Jersey, he actually started like this was years ago. He started a social Jane group. And I think he it is separate from the temple because I think in a, like a place like New Jersey, there's so many families that the temple doing something might not get traction because, I don't know, lots of families are busy with their own like families or they already have a network of friends and this and that. But I think like he started it because they were new and they were like, 
I wonder if there's other families who are youngish, have young kids, and they don't know too many people, they would actually want to get involved. So it's almost like a membership type of thing where for like events, like, you know, they have almost kind of like a ticket type thing. And then it's like him and the other people in the organization, they'll just organize a dinner at a place for four or five families, or they'll like rent a little banquet hall and, and do this or that. And it's just social stuff. And the thing that ties them is like, they're all Jane. And I guess the thing that ties them even more is they're more strict Jane. So it's like, it's not just that like, oh, I want to hang out with Jane people, but like a lot of them don't eat like onion, garlic and potatoes. So it's, it actually becomes a social, like it can be difficult socially to just make friends with anyone random because your lifestyle is very yeah. different. So he runs this thing and it's just social. Um, and I, I find that to be pretty interesting, but I could see stuff like that. But happening on a, like the new religion aspect that you mentioned, where it's maybe people don't care that we should hang out just because we're Jane, but maybe it's all oh, like you're a vegan and you believe in this. It's like almost like each person's trying to find their own tribe. So then these membership groups just become like tribes with like a yeah. with like almost like an intersecting philosophy where it's not just like, oh, you're Hindu or you're Jane. It's like I live my life this way and I believe in this and this. And it kind of transcends religion. And anybody who believes in that should join this group. And you're creating your own tribe with the membership and like organizing stuff that your whole tribe would be interested in, where it's like, okay, maybe some Jains and Hindus would be interested in volunteering at like a vegan shelter or something. But that doesn't mean you have to be Jane or vegan to be into that. So I feel like that could be the future, you know, are these like non-religious, but somewhat religious like kind of like ideological organizations where you just find like your tribe i mean that's what people do online right like you tend to find communities where you align on things and your location doesn't even matter yeah have you read network state or do you know of network state the book no biology uh this is probably a much longer topic but he talks about how the internet and like now crypto is going to enable more of what's called network states. So rather than nation state, a network state is something that's like internet native. It's basically a a group of people uh, that has a capacity for collective action and like, you know, um, large enough resources that are comparable to a nation state, which will eventually get like diplomatic recognition by nations. So essentially like these instead of like being constrained to a certain geography, you can you can accumulate people across across the world who have a shared interest in something and you know the capacity for collective action which is you know whatever cause they're interested in and because of the nature of the internet and how many people like can be interested in certain topics, you can you can get like very large groups that are that really kind of have the resources to to like to make real change it'll be super interesting to see like what types of effects you can have because i'm i think i'm already seeing this on the internet where like the creator economy is real like if you're just someone who like kind of has a specific niche or believes in a specific idea like you now you can like it could be whatever like however like deep or like small of a niche uh you can find enough people around the world that believe in it for you to make like a valuable business out of it um, and if you'd like taking something bigger, like, okay, like veganism or something, like if you could, if you could get like, let's say all the vegans around the world to like get together and like pool, pool in their resources on something, you could probably create some like pretty amazing outcomes. Yeah. I think that I'm interested to see kind of play out both like on the internet, but also in like 
reality where I I have heard like some, again, this is a bubble because we listen to podcasts about like people that are similar yeah. to us. But yeah, you know, I was listening to a podcast and someone mentioned like, you know, I'd love to like literally buy like five homes in a suburb where like the suburb was like aligned on what we wanted to do. Like we all wanted to have a little community farm, for example, that we'd all like take care of. Right. And it's like, yeah. I think that the fact like the internet has has led people to kind of move you know it's like you no longer have to live in certain cities like you can spread out across the country but i think that diaspora or migration also has led to you probably maybe you don't meet people just like you like your your race or your religion but maybe you like there are people in your area or locality that believe in certain things and that are non-religious kind of what you're talking about like this new religious like ideology and you could imagine like maybe you want to live in the vicinity of those people physically like where it's like it's it's not like you're white or you're brown or you're black or that you're catholic or you're hindu but we all believe in like these certain things and those are more aligned to our lifestyles than religion is and we our community and wanting to live together is based on those tenants and it's it's kind of like the same cycle right like the fact that you see all these communities and cities where you have Chinatown, you have Koreatown, you have this, it's all like, it's all people living yeah. together based on culture, right? You can imagine like a similar thing will happen, but instead of religion or race, it could be literally your belief system. Like, what do you believe in? Because I think nobody wants to get boxed in by like, oh, like as a Catholic or a Hindu, I have to be like this, this or this, mm-hmm. right? I could be a Hindu who's into some of these things. Um, or I could be a Catholic who's into some of these things. And and I wonder if like over time, that is what is going to create communities because I do think the physical aspect of it is going to stay relevant, right? Like just being in the vicinity of people um, that you actually can relate to. Um, so I think like we could see like new communities being built based on like new ideologies that don't have anything to do with religion or race, but more so have to do with like, what do I believe in? Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's actually like I, I didn't do a good job explaining, but like the network state kind of talks about that where uh like actually I'll, I'll read out his like one sentence descriptions. A network state is a highly aligned online community. So highly aligned, which is like kind of the same set of beliefs that you're talking about with a capacity for collective action. So they all care about something that they're willing to act on that crowdfunds territory around the world and eventually gains diplomatic recognition from pre-existing states. So the whole reality aspect is like, you know, they're crowdfunding territory and you can have this scattered around the world where, uh, you know, you can have that in many countries and, you know, you have your little like communities across the world. And like at the end of the day, like, you know, the community is like is online native. It's it's an online community, but like there you can live in like those little clusters together. And I think, yeah, I, I really do think that like there's there's a future here. Um, And even if it doesn't end up being big, big groups like. I definitely want to do this on a small scale with just like, I think it would be awesome to like, just like buy some land and like live with a bunch of like cl- close friends and all like kind of have property around each other. Um, I feel like, you know, just creating your own village or something just really like idyllic about that. Yeah, no, I think that sounds, that sounds awesome. Just like, there's just something about it that you can't, you like, you could be in a virtual community with tons of people, but there's something about like living life together you know, um, that's just different. Um, I think the really interesting aspect of it for me is I feel like we, we came from a time where like 
you grew up in your community and your beliefs, like it's like you grew up in, let's say, a, a conservative Hindu community. And I think that like your parents kind of would assume that like, oh, being raised in this community will mean you will be conservative Hindu yourself. Right. Because for a while, like it was like you could keep people like before social media and the Internet, people didn't know how other people lived, for example, like you would probably just learn from the community you're part of. The Internet has changed all that where you could be in a conservative community, but you know all about what's out there. So I think people have started to be like, yeah, I came from a conservative Hindu background, but like that doesn't mean that I am that myself. Um, again, nothing wrong with being conservative and Hindu, but it's just like that, like lots of people are breaking that mold. And I think that by breaking that mold, we're almost transitioning into, oh, you were born into this. So you're going to replicate like your surroundings into like, a, I'm choosing to be a part of this community because I believe in this mm-hmm. type of thing. And so it's the same thing that's happening. You're choosing to be a part of a like the same, like a community that you all kind of align yourselves with. But one is by circumstance, I happen to be here. Yeah. And the other one is by choice, right? Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting to see that shift and how that works. Because if you look at our parents' generation or generations before, they just kind of like took that and they were like, this is my identity. Like I am this. And I think it's only now that people are questioning it. And they're like, oh, I don't have to follow like whatever my identity or identity that my parents gave me. Um, and so we're going back to the same thing, but just a different path towards it of like, it's all about wanting to be around aligned individuals, mm. but part of the alignment came naturally. This time we're saying like, we want to choose what we align with and hence the other stuff doesn't matter anymore. Um, so that's, that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And I think like to bring it back to this podcast, I think one of the, one of the reasons that we wanted to do this is also we have this concrete example of, or this we have this test, this experiment playing out in front of us where we have all these Indian Americans that basically grew up in identical environments, uh, like similar, lo- similar values, similar level of like conservativeness or whatever. And they're all kind of choosing different paths to go down and to kind of like explore like what all those choices can be and how, how each of them kind of pursue their own intentional life in their own way, whether you're, you know, you continue to be like a, a devout Hindu or Jain, or, you know, you go kind of go all the way on the other side and you're like, you know, like, I don't know, the, the image that comes to mind is like, you're doing drugs all the time and you're going to music festivals and like, you're like an <laughs> artist and it's not like a negative mm-hmm. thing, right? It's just like, there's just different yeah. ways of, of living. And I think like all those things can coexist essentially at the end of the day, like what, what do you find meaning out of? I think it would be awesome to kind of explore what all those different paths can look like and what, what the choices people make are. Yeah. So for all those listeners, hit us up if you want to be a part of the Jugad <laughs> community. We're going to buy a bunch of land (laughs) in some far-fetched place.